Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Happy Fourth of July week to everyone. Can you believe that it's already almost July? I mean, I feel like our summertime is just kind of slipping away from us here. I know for us, we are lake rats. Like, we like to hang out at the lake, and we haven't been able to get into the lake. We had to drive to Grand last week just to find a boat ramp open. And so, um, it's like, man, like everything we've been living for, okay, not everything we've been living for, but what a big joy in our family's life. Um, It's like a month of it we've already lost, but I believe God's going to make it up, and we're going to have the best end of our summer. Amen. So uh, celebrate 4th of July this week with your friends, with your family. Go blow stuff up. I'm sure it'll be great. Last week, for those of you who tried to get here but couldn't, just wanted to speak to that for just a second. We've actually had another conversation with our county commissioners, and they have told us, because I know a lot of people showed up last week, and the guys standing at the barricades were like, turn around, turn around, and leave. They're doing their job. Like, they don't want people, you know, turn around, don't drown. Like, they don't want people to, to, to cross the floods. But I did verify with them. We can come to church, correct? Even if the guys are saying, turn around, he's like, or she's like, absolutely. You guys tell your church they can go to church. All they have to do is roll their window down and say, we're going to your place, church. Let us through. And they have been instructed to go ahead and let you on through because the road is completely safe to drive here, especially if you're coming from 69A. And so for those of you who got turned away last week, I apologize. Um, we haven't had that low of a service in years. <laughs> it's been years since we've had that low of a service. And I get it. A lot of people were like, I'm just not, I'm just not getting out in it. Just not getting out in it. But uh, for the ones who did come, we had an amazing service. And um, we are in the last part of my series that we've called, Who Am I? Who Am I? Week one, we started talking about who are we when we feel insecure. And I had to define what insecurity is. Insecurity is that negative voice in your head that tries to tell you things that aren't true. You know what I mean? And, but it feels very true at the moment. And so we, we, we discussed what the word says about insecurity. Week two, we talked about what it, who am I when I don't feel like I'm enough? And it's that whole comparison game we get into. We compare ourselves with everybody else. We compare what we have with everybody else. We compare our lives with everyone else. And we said it this way, comparison and insecurity are like two boys in the same house. They try to play, but it just never turns out good, right? And so that was week two, week three. Nathan came and he brought a message on who am I when I have failed? And so many of us, we're living a life now in the in the remnants of a failure, a past failure in our life. And we feel like that has identified who we are. I am this failure. And that's just not true. There is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And you can be set free from that type of a mindset. That has a tendency to dictate how we act, how we move, how we portray ourselves. And so that was such a great message. And then last week I brought a message that was said... Who am I when I don't feel happy? When I don't feel happy. Happiness is a big thing. There's so many self-help books. There's magazines. There are ad campaigns that basically all say the same thing. Five points to your happiness. Thirteen points to pure joy. Whatever. You know what I mean? And the thing of it is, 
is the word actually has a lot to say about our happiness. And so we went there last week. Today, I'm going to finish the series with this question. Have you ever felt like you've been bullied, intimidated, or manipulated? I said the whole series was building up to this weekend, and first service proved to be true. The definition of intimidation is to make timid or fearful, to frighten, especially to compel or detour by, or as if by, threats. Threats, that's what intimidation is. And I don't know your story, and some of you have heard bits and pieces of my story, but um, as a young boy, we had your typical sandlot-type neighborhood. You know what I mean? It's the same group of friends. We all moved in when we were very little. We all kind of grew up together. We didn't necessarily have the sandlot. We had the trails. And the trails were back behind our elementary school, and we were never allowed to go, so we snuck there all the time, right? And so it was, it was your typical sandlot-type neighborhood. And uh, in our little sandlot crew, there was this one kid... Uh, his name was Jason, and he was a, he was my friend, and I put it in quotes, air quotes, because that's what he referred to himself as. But he was such an intimidating person. And I know now what the, what the deal was. Jason's dad, um, he worked nights, and so... He slept during the day when the family was awake, and so he only woke up right before, you know, Jason would, would go to bed, uh, and then he'd go work the night shift. Um, he tried to be a dad, and again, there's nothing against those overnight shifts, but for, for this particular family, that probably wasn't a great thing because his mom suffered with, like, emotional issues, um, and so she just was barely there. Uh, his brother was disconnected. Like, I know now that hurt people just hurt people. And so I just happened to be the victim of his abuse. He would tell me things like how fat I was, how ugly I was, how I would never get a date when I got, you know, older. Of course, when you're that age, that's all you think about, girls. And so, um, you know, he told me that no one would ever like me. You know, and here's the, here's the problem. I begin to believe it. And what you need to understand is I, had, I have great parents. My parents were the type of parents that told me, you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whoever you want to be. And so I used to, I used to be like, well, what if I want to be a brain surgeon? They were like, you can be a brain surgeon. You just apply yourself. You can do it. And they didn't even know what they know about Jesus Christ. They were just really positive people, right? They just understood the power of your will. And man, whatever. We live in America. Like, you can do it. Well, what if I want to be an astronaut? You know, little boys, right? You can be an astronaut. Well, what if I want to drive a train? You can drive a train. I went through this truck driving phase, right? I, I wanted to, I'm going to go to the uh, uh, American truck driving school. And I'm like, can I be a truck driver? Because, you know, back then, Convoy, Convoy was real popular. Anybody remember the movie Convoy? Yeah, I got some people in the house. You know, you know what I'm talking about, rubber duck. Anyway, um, I just stopped driving a Convoy. BJ and the Bear, the series, right? Drove a big truck. All right, you're dating yourself. And so, uh, so I wanted to drive a truck. And my, my, my dad was like, you 
can do whatever you want, is what he said. Not that he gets truck drivers. It's just my dad was like, you, were just, you went from brain surgeon to truck driver. So like, where, where are we at here? I just need to know how to funnel you, kid. And so my, my parents were really great. But I believe the voice of one person in my life over the voices of others. Isn't that funny how that works? Everybody else in your life can tell you the positive things in your life, but one person points out negative things that may or may not be true, and that's the voice we listen to. That's fear, that's intimidation, it's manipulation, and it's guilt. This young man used to get mad at me if I wanted to go hang out with other friends other than him. You know, we would, you know, sleep over at other, you know, other friends' house and stuff when you're growing up. It was kind of a cool thing to do. And uh, he would be upset if I wanted to go spend the night at someone else's house and not his or his at mine. I'll tell you how bad it got. I used to ask my parents to ground me because I didn't have the courage to stand up to him. I didn't have the courage to say, you know what, I've had enough of this. I've had enough of this. And I didn't know what it was. And again, I was just a young, a, young, a young boy, so I didn't know any of that. And so I used to ask my parents to ground me just so I didn't have to spend time with him. That way, the only time I had to spend with him was at school. He'd always want to eat lunch with me. We'd always go through the hamburger line because at my school, you could get hamburger and fries every meal if you wanted to. Times have changed. But anyway, so he would always steal my fries. He'd steal my fries. I'm like, I've dealt with it like I'm good, you know. Obviously, you dealt with it. You still remember it. <laughs> so, so um, but here's the thing. That affected me. That intimidation, that manipulation, that guilt affected me well into my teens until I, I began a relationship with Jesus Christ. That was the only time it changed. And I found out that healing comes in the power of knowing who God says you are what Jesus Christ has done for you. So many of us, church, if we're not careful, can become cliche. We listen to the preacher. He quotes out of a book. Yeah, it's supposed to help me, but it's just... Don't let the word of God become that to you. Listen and hang on every word because this is the word that set me free. This changed my everything. And so many of us are allowing fear, manipulation, and intimidation to govern our lives. And I want to tackle, who am I when I feel intimidated today? And I really believe the Holy Spirit is going to minister life to us. I am, I, I just need your permission. I've got a few notes on my screen here. But because everybody in every service is different, you have unique backgrounds, unique stories, I just want the Holy Spirit to just have the freedom to minister to everyone today. So these services are going to be different. Like if you catch the podcast, if we put them all three up, all three of them are going to be different because you're in this room. Does that make sense? So we're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do here. And I really believe people are going to get set free today. Can you believe God with me? Will you, will you believe God with me? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're reminded of your word where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God, that truth is what we're looking for. Father, the Bible says that we would know the truth, and the truth would set us free.
free. Father, we thank you for truth and we thank you for freedom in this place today. God, this is going to be one of those services that people five years from now is going to point back to and say, that was the day that everything changed for me. That was the day I found out who I was in Christ. That was the day that fear and intimidation and guilt and manipulation stopped. Lord, we give you permission to cut that stuff out of our life today, to boil it out, to remove it, and to heal, to heal the, the years of damage it's tried to do in our hearts, Father. We trust you. We lean into you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever felt intimidated? Have you ever felt manipulated? You're not alone. The scripture has all kinds of stories along these lines. I mean, all the way back, Jezebel in Elijah. Uh, Jezebel told Elijah, you know, because after he, the demonstration of the fire from heaven consumed the altar, the sacrifice, he had all 450 prophets of Baal slaughtered. Jezebel said to him in an intimidation, trying to put fear in his life, he's, she said, man, God, deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I don't make your life as one of these tomorrow. Try to put fear in his life. He ran. We, we see the story of, um, of Joseph and his brothers. Now, this is a family. A family who you think you're supposed to be safe. You're supposed to be safe with family, right? But yet we see Joseph and his brothers. Uh, Genesis 37, 4 said, Joseph's brothers hated him and would not be friendly to him. That's Bible for they intimidated him. They guilted him. They manipulated him. We see different forms of bullying and intimidation in the Bible um, towards the elderly. In fact, there's this one story in 2 Kings chapter 2. This is funny to me. It's probably not supposed to be. But uh, Elijah went up to Bethel. He was walking along the road, and some boys came out of, uh, of the town and jeered at him. That word jeered, that's Bible for... They just, like, harassed him, right? They harassed him. Look what they said. Get out of here, Baldy, they said. Baldy. Like, coarse jesting has improved over the years because if, if the fact that he has no hair was the best you could come up with, right? Now we've got students that can put words together that shouldn't be together. You know what I mean? And uh, just, just this intimidation. Get out of here, Baldy. This is the part that I think is funny. It's not. It's terrible. He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. It's like, puts a hat on and walks away. You know what I mean? It's crazy stuff, but what it is, it's, it's fear, it's intimidation, it's manipulation. We see it in dating or spousal marriage type situations. We see intimidation and manipulation there, Samson and Delilah. You know, the Bible's like, man, or people are like, the Bible's just full of great stories. The Bible's full of pain. The Bible is full of people who's living real life just like you and I are. And so many times we read stories of a man whose hair, you know, his strength was in his hair, and we're like, hokey, no, can't happen that way. Listen, friends, it happened. It happened. And so here's Samson and Delilah, right? Delilah, his wife, comes up to him and she uses manipulation to find out the power or the source behind his great strength. And of course, she was being coerced by the Philistines. They were like, tell us, the, you get the secret to his great strength. Find out how we can overcome him. And so she would say things like, if you really loved me, you would do this. You know what that is? That's manipulation. 
Anytime we use guilt to get someone to do something for our self-interest is manipulation. Manipulation is a form of witchcraft. You're using your will to get somebody else's will to change. It's a form of witchcraft. And so, I mean, I joke with the students in, in, in our student ministry when, when the girls come up and give puppy dog eyes. You know what I mean? Please, please do this for me. I say, stop manipulating. <laughs> stop, stop. Your witchcraft won't work on me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And again, I'm doing it to be teasing, but that's what it is. It's a form. Anytime we use guilt to get people to do what we... If you really loved me, you would do this. If you wanted to make me happy, you would do this. That's guilt. You're guilting people to get a reaction. And, and it's one of those things. And you know what? Here's the sad thing. It works, so we keep doing it. Are you with me today, friends? So we see that in Scripture. Um, a lot of people struggle with this same situation. When we're talking about dating or married couples, there's actually a term that the psychiatric community has placed a person who's intimidating or using manipulation. They, they refer to that person as the loser. That's a big fancy name that the psychiatric community has come up with. It's called the loser. And they said these are traits of a person who uses intimidation to get their way. Rough treatment, quick uh, attachment and expression. Uh, frightening temper, uh, the killing of your self-confidence. These are characteristics that people who are trying to intimidate you or manipulate you will have, okay? Uh, cutting of support in order to control you. Well, then you just can't have access to the money. Or you just can't have access to the car. I, I take it away. I bought this. This is mine. These are characteristics of intimidation. The mean sweet cycle, which begins with intentionally saying hurtful or mean things and then seemingly completely different person the next day. You hung the world. You're amazing. Uh, these type of people always uh, say it's your fault, not mine. There's the breakup panic. Uh, they don't allow you to have outside interests. In other words, if you have hobbies or people groups or tribes, a life group that pulls you away from them, then they're concerned that you'll out them and so they don't let you have those, right? Uh, the paranoid control, the public embarrassment, or the it's never enough mindset. People like this have an entitlement about themselves. Your friends or family dislike them. And, and here's the thing, they'll make you believe that they don't really, they, dis, they don't dislike me, they dislike us because they're trying to come against us. Your friends and family know a thing or two. Now, if it's just one person or a couple in your friends or family, that's one thing. But if all of your friends and family who have no relations to each other say the same thing, there might be something going on there. Bad stories. The waitress test. You know what the waitress test is? You're at a restaurant together. The way they treat the, the waitress is how they're going to treat you in the next six months or so. These are people who use fear and intimidation and manipulation. Um, their reputation's a big deal. You have to walk on eggshells around them. Um, they discount your feelings or opinions. We believe that every marriage is worth saving. We believe that at Your Place Church. Every marriage is worth saving. But if you're in harm's way, we believe separation is necessary. 
We do not condone you staying in an environment where there's somebody who is abusing you, especially physically. And so a lot of times you feel like there's no escape for that. And so we're gonna make it super easy. We're just gonna put a phone number up on the screen. You call this number if you need help. They will get you out. They will help you. It's super easy, 918-825, that's a Mace County prefix, right? 0190, call the number. They'll help you if you need out. Amen, everyone? Moving right along here. There's a difference question that I want to ask everyone. Do you use fear, guilt, or intimidation on others? Like, I'm, I'm referring to people who have been victims of that, but here's what we know. In the same room are people who have been victims, but there's also victimizers in the room. And again, we understand this. Hurt people hurt people. Some people, this is just what they grew up in. They argue because that's the way their family got their point across. Like, we didn't even have a real conversation until, you know, the kids asked us to stop yelling. Like, that's just the way people are. But there is a line that you cross. And so here's my question to all of us. Are you the one who is using intimidation or manipulation? Most intimidation in our world will come across as fear. It will come across as shaming, guilt. Here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. Do to others as you would have them do to you. So, like, if you wouldn't want to be talked to that way, then don't talk to people that way. If you wouldn't want to be abused that way from someone that you didn't have control over, then don't abuse people just because you're bigger, just because you're stronger, just because you've got your, your, your bluff in on them. And here's what we need to understand. Hurt people hurt people, and I get that. But we all can experience freedom as a result of Jesus Christ. And as painful as it is, the only answer to your behavior is A, to understand who you are in Jesus Christ. You don't have to, you don't have to come across as mean or ugly or abusive to get your way. The Bible says that love never fails. Love never fails. God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, a spirit of power, and a sound mind. Perfect love casts out fear. And that's what's happening. You're walking around creating a culture of fear in your home. Is that, what you, is that the way you want to live? Well, no one can make me scared. Oh, there are people who can scare you. And there's a devil who will try. Don't create a culture of fear in your home. That's not how you want to live. Don't make others live that way. Is this okay, friends? I didn't say that first service. Are you the victimizer? You know, I had a young man in our youth group that uh, he would... Like, once, we, once I finally got through his shell, like, he was the guy that always told the off-color jokes. He was the one that was always hateful, always mean. When he met somebody, he'd instantly, you know, 
criticize them or, you know, chew them out or whatever. And so I finally asked him one day, why, why, why do you do that? He says, I figured something out. He was a bigger guy. He says, I've always been picked on as a kid. He says, and I quickly found out that if I was the first one to attack with my words, then they had no comeback. And I felt superior. I felt bigger than them, right? And that is, a, that is a characteristic of somebody who uses manipulation and intimidation. They feel like they carry an air of superiority. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm bigger than you. I'm, I'm the boss. I'm the leader of this family. I'm in charge of you. And it happens in, in a lot of different areas. It's not always extreme situation. It's parents who manipulate their children all the time to get them to do what they want. It's... Uh, wives who manipulate their husbands or husbands who intimidate their wives. It's the people you work with who try to get the upper hand over you. But when you find out who you are in Christ, everything changes. Everything changes. Because then you realize that their words over you have no power over you when you realize who you are in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? It's not cliché. God loves you, every one of you. He loves you, and he gave himself for you. And if you would, if you would genuinely believe, here's the thing. People don't believe what God says is true about them. They think it's true for some of the people in this room. God obviously loves them because they pray. They come to church every time the doors are open. Of course, God's going to love them. No, 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 no. You're basing your definition of God and his characteristic on what you think is true. You're basing it him on human characteristics, human traits, because that's what a human does. God says, I love you unconditionally. There's nothing you can do that would make me love you more or less. What you do, your behavior in life does not change how I, affect, how I feel towards you. Well, people are like, well, God couldn't love me. I've done so many things. No, no, no. That's just how humans are. God is not a man, right? He is God. He's your creator. He loves you. And if you could just understand who he created you to be, all of a sudden those voices go away in your life. Guys, this is a little easier for us because we can compartmentalize our world. Somebody says something to me, it's hurtful. We may deal with it for a little bit, but we can stick it in a box and close it and lock it and not let it affect us. Some of us, some of us, what happens is when we're quiet, we get it out and we look at it. Do they really say that? Do they really mean that? Am I really this way? Right? And then when showtime comes, I got to go back to work, we, we, we lock it away. Ladies, it's connected to everything you are. Again, you can have so many great attributes and people compliment you in so many areas, but one person says something negative to you and it's connected to everything. So it's got to be something we've got to be mindful of. Amen. If God is for you, who can be against you? Most people don't believe that God is actually for them. God is for you. He's for you. He doesn't want you to be in situations like this. David understood this. In fact, you see David's words in Psalm 56, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. Sounds like he's going to rap here, right? <laughs> Look how he finishes it. 
What can mere mortals do to me? He had a revelation. What can mere mortals do to me? In fact, David had two things going for him here. Number one, he knew who he was in God. He had a revelation. What can they really do to me? I mean, what can they really do to me? He says it again in Psalm 118. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. If you could live your life that way, God is with me. I have nothing to be afraid of. Listen, friends, the devil, I feel like I need to come onto the floor. Have I ever come onto the floor in a weekend service? I don't know. It just went last Wednesday up in here. The number one fear that the devil uses, or the number one weapon that the devil uses is fear. The devil cannot do anything physically to you. I've seen some wicked movies. Guess who wrote that movie? The devil. His number one weapon is fear. If he can get you to believe, then he wins. He wins. The Bible says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. What is the Bible trying to say? See, he was writing to an Aquarian culture. They understood lions. You can be, and, and zoologists will tell you this, a lion, you can hear a lion's roar a mile away. The lion will walk into, you know, walk out of the pride, walk into the jungle and just roar. What's he trying to do? He's trying to strike fear into the entire animal kingdom, and it works. All the gazelles take off running, right? The Bible is very descriptive in comparing the devil to a roaring lion. It doesn't say he is a lion. He says he prowls around like a roaring lion. Because if he can strike fear into you, his job is done. You can be pushed over now. Are you with me, friends? Don't let fear intimidate you. Don't let... Don't allow others' thoughts, other voices. David figured something out. David knew who he was in God, and then he says it like three or four times in the book of Psalms. He reminded himself. He would feel scared. He would feel intimidated, and he would say, mm -mm. if God's for me, who can be against me? What can mere flesh actually do to me? What can mere flesh, what can a human actually do to me that I don't let them do? See, David caught that. And so there was two things that David understood. He understood who he was in God. And then he, he, he understood that he had to constantly remind himself who he was in God. The answer to all of us, see yourself as Jesus sees you. It would do you good to do a Google search on, on the phrase, in him, in Christ, in whom, with Christ. There are over 50 scriptures in the New Testament that describe who you are in Christ. And you can find them by Googling that phrase. In him, in whom, in Christ, with Christ. I don't have time to go through all of them for you, but listen to how God sees you. Romans 8.32 he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. 
how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God wants to freely give you all things that you need. This is the word of God, which cannot be changed. Are you with me? Romans 8, 37. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. So anytime you see through him, in him, in Christ, anything about Jesus, it's the word of God is telling you what belongs to you. He's telling you what belongs to you. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Romans 10, 11, the scripture says, whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. We would say it this way. If you believe in Jesus, you can't be intimidated. You can't feel shame. People aren't going to use shame to guilt you into doing things. Are you with me, friends? 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, but as it is written, eye has not seen, ears not heard, neither has entered in the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. God has prepared a great life for you. God wants you to have happiness. He is, he's done all of this for you if you love him. 1 Corinthians 2, 16 says, um, for, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but, but we have the mind of Christ. So many people, re you read past the scripture and you're like, oh yeah, okay, that's good. You don't know what that means. You don't pause and think about that. Does Jesus, did Jesus walk around with fear, guilt, intimidation, or manipulation in his life? Did he allow it? No. He walked around in perfect peace. He did, even though he felt like he was in control of his own life, he didn't let anybody control his life, but he didn't use it against them either. And you're like, well, that's Jesus. Of course Jesus lived his life that way. No, 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 no. The Bible says that you have the same mind of Christ. You have the same position as Christ. Jesus Christ paid the price. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ to the throne of God. What? I've never heard that before. It's in the Bible. The Bible says we're heirs to the throne. If God was to die, which he can't, we're heirs to the throne, the Bible says. We're next in line. Prince Charles, right? Here we go. Not Charles. Charles is the one in office. Prince William. Is that right? Yes. He's the heir to the throne. He gets to be the next king, right? That's us, right? I guess Charles is next and then it's William. Moving right along. The Bible says you're equal parts to Jesus Christ. That just can't be true. Jesus said it was true. That's why he paid the price for you. So you can be joint heirs with him. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. 5.21 says, he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. 13.4 says, for God, who he was crucified through, though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lives by the power of God, for we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. 50 scriptures that talk about what Jesus did for us, who he's made you to be, and all of this applies to you. Amen?
Now, here's the thing. I believe that God wants to do something inside of you today. There are people in this room who you've allowed that negative voice in your head or a voice that's a real voice to strike fear, intimidation, and manipulation in your life. And really, there's, there's, there's a couple of things I need you to do. Number one, I need you to realize what's going on. We said that this, service, this series was building to this moment. I genuinely believe that over the next few minutes, the spirit of fear is going to be broke off of you. Now, intimidation, manipulation, they can be just an upbringing. But I actually believe there can be a spirit of intimidation on you. The Bible says that we wrestle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness in high places. There's an enemy out there who wants to try to trump in on you, who wants to, who wants to go over that voice, who wants to strike fear and negativity in your life. For some, you just need to know who you are in Christ and you'll be fine. Others, this thing needs to, be, this thing needs to come off of you. This thing needs to come off of you. And so I'm going to pray for some people today. I'm not going to wait till last Wednesday. We're not going to have a special prayer meeting. We're going to do it right now. And we're going to believe that God's going to move in people's lives. And I've got two questions. People often ask me, Pastor Dan, why do you have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes? Because there are people in the room right now that they're so intimidated about what people might think about what people might say. Well, they'll talk. They'll talk about me. Who cares? You get set free from this. You will live your life in such a place of freedom. They'll envy you. But it starts right here. It starts right now. The reason why I have people close their eyes is because I want to give them an opportunity to A, tell me who I can pray for. B, something happens when you acknowledge sin in your life or oppression in your life or oppression in your life. Does that make sense? So everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. I've got two requests today. This isn't, we're not talking about salvation and if you need a relationship with Jesus. That's not what we're talking about. There are people who are saved and going to heaven in this room right here, right now, that you are being intimidated you're being manipulated. Some of it is just upbringing. Others of it, it is a spirit that is in your life. Regardless of what it is, it stops right now. It stops right now. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If that's you, Pastor Darian, I've dealt with fear. I've dealt with guilt. I've dealt with intimidation or, or manipulation all my life, or even most recently. If that's you, just put your hand up and put it right back down. Amen. Amen. Put it down. Put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, put it down. Anybody else? All over the room. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on. Step in because you're going to get set free. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Some of you, there's instances popping in your head right now that you've never, that you haven't thought about for years. 
But the Holy Spirit is reaching down in your soul right now and he's pulling these things back up to your remembrance because he wants to deal with this. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. He's pulling these things back up because you know what? He's recognizing that if he can, if he can deal with that occurrence, that experience, that person in your life, that he can set you free from it. These Freedom Life Groups that are going to start in, in uh, September, we're, we're seeing such a powerful moment. I know your heads are bowed. Keep them there. I got one more question. We're seeing such an experience when we can take people back to a place, to an event, to a story, to an example of what happened in their life. And then imagine Jesus right there because he was there with you in the, in the midst of that. And imagine what Jesus' words were to you in that moment. We're seeing men have incredible freedom moments, imagining Jesus with them right there. So before I ask the second question, anybody else? That's you. I've been guilt, guilted, manipulated, intimidated. Anybody else? Okay, thanks. Thanks. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Keep them closed. If you're in the room, You're the one who is using intimidation, guilt, or manipulation. And you want set free from that today. And again, it may just be in the, the, the conversation of your home growing up, or it could be a spirit that's trying to just provoke you. If that's you, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, hands up, hands right back down. Interesting thing. Same hands. Same hands on both occasions. Same hands. Not everybody, but some of them. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And this is the way you, you guys can go ahead and look up here. This is the way we're going to do this because as I was walking out on the platform first service, the Lord spoke to me and he told me directly how he wanted to deal with this today. I'm going to pray for you. But then we're going to change gears because you need to know how to pray for yourself. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer that is going to break intimidation off of your life. It's going to break the power of enemy off your life. And the first time you say it, you'll know what to say next time. Just like David said, if God's for me, you know, like, if, if God sees me, I praise God. What can flesh do to me? One translation says, what can a mere human do to me? He reminded himself of it. Amen? So this is what we're going to do. Stand up with me. Why do I have you stand up? Something happens on the inside of you. Your, your expector all of a sudden comes alive when I have you stand up. You're like, oh, something's about to happen. Yes, I need you right there, okay? Yes, something is about to happen. And pray with me. Come on, believe God with me. Father, let me pray for you first, and then I'm going to have you repeat after me. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person in this room. God, I thank you that your word is truth. Your word is life. God, I thank you that you see them for who they are. They are the head and not the tail. 
They are above and not beneath. They are overcomers. God, they are conquerors. Father God, you see them, and I pray that they begin to see themselves as you see them, Father God. If they get, and I'm not going to say if, now that they are understanding who they are in Christ, no longer can the enemy try to put fear and intimidation in their life. Now, this is what I want you to do. It's going to sound funny, but you just follow me. I want you to point at the floor because the Bible says the devil is under our feet. And so when pointing at the floor, you're actually pointing at the devil. And it's also a place of authority because you, are, you have more authority than the devil. So you point to the floor and you say this with me. You say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am above, not beneath. I am the head and not the tail. I can do all things. Through Christ, who strengthens me. Devil, take your hands off of me. Take your hands off of my emotions. Off of my thoughts. I rebuke you. Leave in Jesus' name. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.